Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads. To save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month. And you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. In the early morning hours of January 11th, 2013... Jacqueline Johnson called 911 to report her son missing. 17-year-old Kendrick Johnson had planned to attend a basketball game at Lowndes High School the previous night, but never made it home. This is Monsters Mysteries. I want to welcome you to the first episode of my Monster Mystery series. In these episodes, I will cover cases of missing people, unsolved murders, and mysterious deaths. One thing I've realized while working on the first few episodes is that some of these cases are fairly unknown to me, and after digging into every detail of the case, I'm not 100% sure the death is unsolved. I've started with the case of Kendrick Johnson, who suffered a mysterious death in 2003 because it was heavily requested. Once I really got into the details of the case, the facts seemed to clearly point in one direction, but on social media, a lot of the facts are missing and people are convinced that the death points in another direction. I'm going to present the facts as I find them, and I'm going to tell you my opinion of the case based on what I find. 
I try very hard to go into these cases completely unbiased and just go where the facts lead. I will come to my conclusion based on my opinion, and if you have a different opinion, that's great. Leave it in the comments. Tell me why you think that. Tell me if I missed anything. I'm happy to hear your opinion as well. And I can see already that there will be some cases where I won't have any opinion. I'll shrug and be just as baffled as when I started. You can leave your thoughts in the comments as well, and maybe together we can finally come to some understanding. You never know. Kendrick Johnson was born on October 10, 1995. The youngest son of Kenneth Johnson Sr. and Jacqueline Johnson, who went by Jackie. He attended Lowndes High School in Valdosta, Georgia. He was an avid athlete who played football, basketball, and ran on the track team. Sergeant Roby had received a call of a missing person, and while he was investigating, students at Lowndes High School were gathering in the old gym before class had started. While some of the students started climbing on the rolled-up gym mats that had been stored in the corner, they made a discovery. When they saw what looked like feet sticking out of one of the rolled mats, they called over the gym teacher, Philip Pipelow. Mr. Pipelow climbed onto the mats and confirmed what his students had told him. The person was facing head down into the center of one of the mats that was standing up vertically. Mr. Pipelow and the students began moving the other mats in order to gain access to the mat with the person stuck inside. When they laid the mat down onto its side, some students said they knew the person was dead based on the smell. At this time, Mr. Pipelow instructed the students to leave the gym. The students that were involved in moving the mats were housed in a classroom so the police could easily find them to talk to them. One of the students called 911. Deputy Michael Adams had received the missing persons report from Sergeant Roby at about 7.45 a.m. the morning of January 11th. Deputy Adams arrived at Lowndes High School at 8 a.m. to ask the school secretary to confirm whether or not Kendrick was in class that morning. When teachers confirmed that the young man hadn't been in class, Deputy Adams began making color copies of a photo of Kendrick to pass out. While making copies, Deputy Adams was informed by the school principal's secretary that Kendrick's mother, Jackie, and his older sister, Kenyetta, wanted to meet with him. They gave him personal details of Kendrick, such as the name of his closest friend, and that he didn't have a girlfriend. When Deputy Adams found out that the friend, Solomon Arrington, was not at school due to a previous suspension, he asked dispatch to send another deputy to his residence to question him. Solomon said that he hadn't seen Kendrick since school. It's unclear how long Solomon had been suspended or why, but it seems to be unrelated to the case. At about 10.30 that morning, Deputy Adams was called to the old gym at the school. He wrote in his report that it was for a code blue, which is commonly used to indicate a medical emergency. Deputy Adams arrived at the same time as Deputy Carrie Quinn, and they saw Mr. Pipelow bending over by a rolled-up gym mat. Deputy Adams said that he could smell the faint odor of composition as he headed to the corner of the gym where the mats were stored. When he looked into the exposed end of the rolled mat, he could see two feet with socks on and the end of denim jeans. They had to move three other mats to get to the opposite side of the mat where he saw a black male wearing white. Both arms were above his head and partially obstructed his face. The deputy could see that the victim had long dreadlocks. After firefighters and paramedics arrived and determined that rigor mortis had already set in, at about 10.45 a.m., Deputy Adams called dispatch to have them notify detectives. 
He reported that he then monitored the crime scene until Detective Staff Sergeant Jack Winningham arrived. Deputy Adams then told dispatch to remove Kendrick Johnson's name as a missing person. While the Lowndes County Crime Scene and Georgia Bureau of Investigation Crime Scene units were collecting evidence, Detective Winningham began questioning anybody who could have had information about what happened to Kendrick. He spoke with Solomon Arrington and his mother, Keisha Moore, at the sheriff's office, but neither of them could provide any additional details. He questioned other students, and one said they saw Kendrick at about 1.30 p.m. on January 10th at the school, and he seemed to be acting fine. Another student said they saw Kendrick at about 3 p.m. on January 10th at the lecture hall and had a 15-minute conversation with him. Detective Winningham wrote in his report that he reviewed surveillance footage from the school but did not see that meeting take place. The crime scene investigators found a yellow, two-pocket folder which contained school paperwork belonging to Kendrick, a blue physical science textbook, a black and white size 9.5 Adidas shoe, a Hollister hooded sweatshirt, and a pair of orange, black, and gray Nike shoes that looked to have blood on them in the immediate area. A test for blood was done on the shoes, but the test came back negative. They also found what looked like blood stains on the south wall of the old gym, and a test for blood came back positive. When Lowndes County Coroner Bill Watson arrived, Kendrick was removed from the mat and his body was examined. His body had been head down inside the mat which was rolled up and stood up vertically. This caused the blood to settle to his head and caused blood to run out of his eyes, nose, and mouth. The initial investigation of the body found no signs of blunt force trauma or wounds on the body. He was wearing a white undershirt, an orange t-shirt with a white t-shirt over it. He had on boxer underwear, a pair of black shorts with a pair of blue jeans over them, and had white socks on his feet. Inside the mat with him was a pair of white, gray, and orange Nike shoes that weren't on his feet, and there had been a second black and white size 9.5 Adidas where his head had been. He had an LG cell phone that was recovered from one of his pants' pockets. Crime scene investigators found bloody paper towels in the garbage of the old gym's girls' restroom. Upon questioning of the students at the school, it was discovered that a female student had cut herself in gym class that day and had gone to the bathroom to wash the wound. The blood was tested and came back as female DNA. The investigation revealed that Kendrick had shared his tennis shoes with another student and they regularly left them under one of the gym mats that was rolled up and stored in the old gym. When Detective Winningham interviewed that other student, he confirmed that one of the pairs of shoes that had been found in the crime scene did in fact belong to Kendrick. When Kendrick's family was questioned, his sister, Kenyatta, confirmed that the white and orange Nikes were Kendrick's and she said that the Adidas might be his but wasn't sure. The body was transported to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation lab where an autopsy found that Kendrick died of positional asphyxia. Positional asphyxia, also known as postural asphyxia, is a form of asphyxia which occurs when a person's position presents them from breathing adequately. It can happen for a number of reasons, but it's commonly accidental. Olympic track and field gold medalist Florence Griffith Joyner, better known as Flojo, died in her sleep due to positional asphyxia caused by a seizure. You may have also heard of the death of 16-year-old Kyle Plush, who got stuck in the third-row bench seat of a Honda Odyssey minivan in 2018. He was leaning over the bench seat to grab equipment out of the back of the van when the seat folded back and trapped him upside down. 
He was able to use a voice dial feature to call 911 twice, but authorities failed to find him in time. He died of positional asphyxia. The police have been criticized for using a controversial technique called the prone restraint. Even back in 1995, the United States Department of Justice recognized that the technique was risky and that the risks of positional asphyxia were elevated if the individual was overweight, was under the influence of drugs or alcohol, or had an enlarged heart. Their report concluded, quote, To help minimize the risk of positional asphyxia, Diligent observation and monitoring of subjects displaying any one or a combination of the described indicators are procedurally warranted. Furthermore, the use of maximal prone restraint techniques should be avoided. End quote. Notable cases of deaths caused by police restraint are Eric Garner in 2014 and George Floyd in 2020. After the autopsy was complete, police ruled the death an accident and closed the case on May 2, 2013. The Johnson family was not satisfied with the ruling and continued to question the investigation. After the report from the paramedics was released, the Johnsons claimed that their report didn't match what the police report concluded. When the paramedics arrived on scene, the mat had already been pulled down and was laying on its side, and paramedics reported that the upper half of Kendrick's body was hanging out of the mat, with his lower half still inside the mat. The Johnsons claimed that that description didn't match the claim that Kendrick was found fully inside the mat. The reason that his body was partially out of the mat when the paramedics arrived is because, while pulling the mat down from standing up vertically, Kendrick's body slid out while the mat was at a downward angle, while it was going from vertical to horizontal. It was a simple matter of geometry and gravity. On June 6th, a Lowndes County judge granted the Johnsons permission to exhume their son's body. They had hired their own private autopsy to be conducted by William R. Anderson with a company called Forensic Dimensions out of Heathrow, Florida. Their website says, quote, Get professional medical services from our forensic consultant at Forensic Dimensions in Orlando, Florida. Since 1993, we have provided consulting services for attorneys on either side of a medico-legal issue while medical examiners are employees of the state, county, and city, so they only work with the prosecution, we are able to work for any side. We are able to ensure the other pathologist's work is accurate and medically appropriate, end quote. Dr. Anderson had done an autopsy in the Trayvon Martin case after the teen was shot in 2012. Dr. Anderson's autopsy found blunt force trauma to Kendrick's right neck. It listed A. Acute hemorrhage, soft tissue of upper neck. B. Acute periosteal hemorrhage, posterior body right mandible. C. Areas of acute hemorrhage involving carotid artery bifurcation and carotid body. About the initial autopsy, Dr. Anderson wrote, A. Pulmonary finding, EW, rapid onset death. EW likely meaning either way. B. Findings not consistent with positional asphyxia. The independent autopsy lists the cause of death as, quote, blunt force trauma, right neck, involving right mandible and soft tissues, including the area of the carotid body, consistent with inflicted injury, end quote. An added note says, quote, unexplained, apparent non-accidental blunt force trauma, further investigation is indicated to determine the etiology of the injuries, end quote. Though Dr. Anderson told USA Today Sports, quote, there is no evidence he was beaten. 
it was probably just a single pressure application, end quote. Dr. Anderson also conducted a third autopsy on June 15, 2013, and came to the same conclusion as before, but noted blunt force trauma, right thorax, and described it as acute hemorrhage, soft tissue, and intercostal musculature. The blunt force trauma that was found by Dr. Anderson was later confirmed by him to be a three-quarter inch or two to three centimeter bruise found on the right side of Kendrick's neck. The claim is that Kendrick was hit in the neck in that location, which was a specific spot where his carotid artery split, and that caused his heart to stop. Georgia Chief Medical Examiner Dr. Chris Sperry discussed his review of the independent autopsy. Is it possible Kendrick Johnson's death was a homicide? No, it is not. You'd stake your reputation on that? I stake my reputation on the findings that the doctors in my office find every single day. So this particular case is actually no exception. Yes, I stake my reputation on this. The family commissioned an independent review? Yes. You've reviewed the review? Oh, yes. And? The review is woefully inadequate. The uh, report is really inconclusive. It simply states that the death was consistent with blood trauma of the neck without any elaboration. Subsequently, in television interviews, the pathologist has stated that the supposed bruise that he found on the right side of the Johnson young man's neck was, he measured it two, between two and three centimeters, which is about three quarters of an inch. That's the only supposed injury that he found. And he postulates that the cause of death of uh, Kendrick was a blow to the side of the neck that struck a point where the arteries in the neck split and that this caused his heart to stop. This mechanism of death, this cause of death, is actually, uh, in young people, has never been described in the scientific literature, ever. It does not exist. It was also discovered that sometime after the body was released to the funeral home, Kendrick's body had been stuffed with newspaper and his internal organs were missing. The GBI coroner claimed that the organs were sent to the funeral home with the body, but the funeral home said that they never received them. The owner of the Harrington Funeral Home suggested the organs were destroyed by a prosector. A prosector is someone that prepared a body for demonstration, usually for medical schools. Evidently, Kendrick's body was used for this purpose prior to arriving at the funeral home, and it's likely the prosector discarded the organs. The funeral director said that when a body is received with a void inside it, they have to fill that void. This is usually done with cotton or sawdust, but some funeral homes still use an old method of stuffing the body with newspaper. The Johnsons filed a complaint with the Georgia Board of Funeral Services, but they found no wrongdoing on the part of the Harrington Funeral Home. Their statement said that the funeral home's decision to replace the autopsied organs with newspapers was not considered best practice for embalming. However, filling a body cavity, quote, is necessary preparation to present a deceased body for public viewing, end quote. With the report from the independent autopsy in hand, the Johnson family was convinced that Kendrick was murdered and demanded that the police reopen the investigation. The family had previously asked Reverend Floyd Rose of the Valdosta Southern Christian Leadership Conference to run an independent investigation into Kendrick's death. He agreed, and the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People also got involved, having a member of their legal redress team, Lee Touchton, lead that investigation. 
The family held a fundraising event that hosted Al Sharpton, who personally contributed $500 to the fund. The event ended up raising about $8,000, which donors were led to believe would go to a reward for information in the case. Unfortunately, no record can be found of that money ever being used for a reward. A local businessman, Roy Taylor, gave Reverend Floyd Rose a check for $10,000 to be used as a reward. That was the only amount that was ever offered as a reward for information about the death of Kendrick Johnson. The check had a 90-day limit and was to be returned to Mr. Taylor if no leads were produced in that time. In October of 2013, a judge ordered that surveillance video from the school be released. Upon viewing the video, which came from 35 cameras and added up to 290 hours of footage, the Johnson family claimed that it had been edited. The Valdosta Daily Times did an in-depth review of the footage and found a number of problems with the way the video was captured and stored that led to the appearance of missing video. The videos were stored on six different servers throughout the school. Not all of the servers were time-synced and not all of the videos contained timestamps. There were portions of the video where it appeared as though students just disappeared from the video, which was used as proof of edited video. The issue was that the surveillance video only recorded at one frame per second, which was more than enough time for students to turn a corner or enter a room and not appear on the following frame. After lengthy review of all the footage, the Times determined that there was no apparent discrepancy in Kendrick's path from one part of the school to the old gym. It was only the exported videos from certain servers that didn't have timestamps. The video still had timestamps if reviewed directly from the server. According to both Lee Touchton and Reverend Floyd Rose, the family was invited to view the footage at the school multiple times, but they did not take them up on the offer. In the middle of January of 2014, Reverend Rose agreed with the Lowndes County Sheriff's Department and determined that Kendrick's death was a tragic accident. He closed his investigation and returned the $10,000 reward money as the time limit was up. Lee Touchton from the NAACP also closed her case with the same conclusion. These developments did not sit well with the Johnsons and they doubled down on their claims that Kendrick was murdered. On January 10, 2014, they filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the Lowndes County Board of Education. The lawsuit alleged that Kendrick, quote, was violently assaulted, severely injured, suffered great physical pain and mental anguish, and subjected to insult and loss of life, end quote. Also that January, an anonymous email was received with an accusation in the death of Kendrick Johnson. Due to the matter involving minors, the police report is heavily redacted. But the email claims that a friend had spoken to someone at a party who told him that Kendrick was murdered. After tracing the email, the sender, who was a juvenile, was interviewed and said that the contents of the email was only a rumor. The rumor implicated four people in the suspicious death, one of whom was another student at the school who allegedly lured Kendrick into the old gym on the day of his death. That girl was interviewed and claimed to have no involvement in Kendrick's death, which was backed up by surveillance footage. Kendrick is on video entering the gym that day, and nobody was luring him there. The Johnsons also accused two brothers, Brian and Brandon Bell, fellow students at Lowndes High School. The Johnsons claimed that Brian had recently been in a serious fight with Kendrick, and he wanted revenge. 
The truth was that Brian and Kendrick had been in a minor scuffle while on a bus to a football game over a year previously. Other students said that the two had been friends, but they got into a disagreement and it came to blows. But since then, they had made up and were friends ever since. At the time of Kendrick's death, Brian can be seen on surveillance video in a classroom on the other side of the school. This is confirmed by his teacher and classmates. Brandon was on a bus headed to a wrestling tournament in Macon, Georgia. People claimed that the bus didn't leave until 4 p.m., which gave Brandon time to kill Kendrick. But that was based on a mistake on the transportation form that was filled out by the coach. The event started at 4 p.m., which was confirmed by the tournament organizers, which meant Brandon would have to have been en route at the time of Kendrick's death. This is also confirmed by teammates, his coach, the report from his weigh-in, and parents. The Johnsons disputed the alibi and also claimed that the Bell brothers' father, an FBI agent named Rick Bell, was involved in covering up the crime to protect his sons. It's also important to note that the Johnsons have gone on record multiple times claiming that Lowndes County Sheriff Chris Prine's own son, sometimes they say grandson, was also involved in the cover-up. But Sheriff Prine has made it very clear that he doesn't even have a son or a grandson. In January of 2015, the Johnsons filed a $100 million lawsuit against 38 individuals. Some respondents included Brian and Brandon Bell, the school superintendent of Lowndes County, the police chief of Valdosta, the city of Valdosta, the state medical examiner, the GBI, and the FBI. They alleged that Kendrick Johnson was murdered and the people named in the lawsuit had conspired to cover up the homicide. Lowndes County attorney Jim Elliott stated that the allegations were unfounded and baseless and the case eventually got intervened by the U.S. attorney. The U.S. attorney from Middle Georgia made a statement saying, quote, The investigation has proven more complicated and taken longer than originally anticipated, end quote, which added validation to the claims that the Johnsons had been making. The family eventually began to claim that Lowndes County sheriffs and other individuals put Kendrick's body into the gym mat to cover up the fact that he was murdered. On March 2, 2016, the Johnson family dropped the $100 million lawsuit. A few months later, the Department of Justice announced that they would not be filing any criminal charges related to Kendrick Johnson's death. They stated, quote, After extensive investigation into this tragic event, federal investigators determined that there is insufficient evidence to prove without a reasonable doubt that someone or some group of people willfully violated Kendrick Johnson's civil rights or committed any other prosecutable federal crime, end quote. On August 10, 2017, Judge Richard Porter ruled that the Johnsons and their attorney must pay more than $292,000 in legal fees to numerous people they had accused of foul play in lawsuits that they ended up dropping. In January of 2015, Lee Touchton was interviewed about her involvement in the investigation into the death of Kendrick Johnson. She stands by her finding that Kendrick was not murdered. She also made claims that the Johnsons had lied multiple times regarding information in the death of their son. The Johnsons claimed that nobody at the school cared about Kendrick and that nobody from the school attended his funeral, when in fact, a coach spoke at his funeral, multiple teachers were in attendance as well as two school board members. There was also a memorial service held for Kendrick at his school. 
The Johnsons claimed that Kendrick had recently been in a fight with a classmate when, like previously mentioned, the fight was more than a year prior to his death. When questioned about the $8,000 raised at the fundraiser with Al Sharpton, the Johnsons claimed that Reverend Rose kept most of that money. Reverend Rose says that he didn't even handle that money and it was all handled by the Johnsons. One of the worst things that I think the Johnsons did was publish a post-autopsy photo of their son on social media and on a billboard. Not only was it tasteless, they claimed that it was a picture of Kendrick's face after being beaten. In reality, the skin from his face had been peeled back by the medical examiner and then replaced after examination, which left his skin lumpy and not sitting on his skull properly. His face did not look like that before the autopsy. Not only did they know that what they were posting was a lie, there was no evidence anywhere that Kendrick had been beaten, even if his death was in fact a murder. Unfortunately, I don't think this case is really a mystery. That's my personal opinion. I believe that Kendrick and his friends used the mats as a place to store their shoes. While school was on break for a few days, someone came in and placed more mats in the old gym around the ones that were already there. When Kendrick returned to school, he wasn't able to just lift up the mat to grab his shoes, so he climbed on top of the mats and tried to squeeze down into the center of the mat to grab his shoes. Many people say that he wouldn't have been able to roll himself up in a mat, and that's because he didn't. The mat was already rolled up, standing up, and he tried to squeeze down into it to retrieve his shoes. Gravity did the rest. Now, one argument against this theory is that the opening at the center of the rolled mat was only 14 inches, or 35.5 centimeters, and that Kendrick had an 18-inch, or almost 46-centimeter, shoulder width. The problem with that argument is that his arms were above his head. I have a 19-inch shoulder width, but when my arms are over my head, that measurement goes down to 16 inches. The forensic investigator actually measured the opening in its widest spot to be 14 and a half inches, so it's actually very possible that he would have fit in the mat. Even if the opening was only 14 inches, it was a pliable material, so when he went in, the opening stretched, turning into an oval, giving him 14 and a half to 15 inches of space. He was 5 foot 10 inches, and the mat was 6 foot, so it would have seemed reasonable to be able to squeeze down, grab the shoes, and wiggle back out. Once he got the shoes, he wasn't able to fight gravity and died of positional asphyxia. The only things that I can find that would cause anyone to believe that Kendrick was murdered were the independent autopsy and what Kendrick's family claimed. The independent autopsy found a three-quarter inch or two to three centimeter bruise on the right side of Kendrick's neck and determined that he had died of blunt force trauma. No other markings were on his body that would suggest that Kendrick was attacked, nor were there any defensive wounds. There was also nobody else on the surveillance video around the time that Kendrick went into the old gym. So a ninja just dropped from the sky, did a single-finger death strike to the side of his neck, stuffed him into a gym mat, and disappeared. The things that the Johnsons claimed were repeatedly found to be untrue. Kendrick had not been in a recent fight. The Bell brothers didn't kill their son. Sheriff Prine didn't have a son or a grandson. Kendrick's face did not look like that because of a beating. 
I believe it's clear that Kendrick died due to a tragic accident, and the family, looking for someone to blame, has turned it into a massive conspiracy, where at least a hundred different people from different organizations would have to all be working together to keep this murder a secret. Maybe I'm wrong, though. There's clearly something still going on. On March 10, 2021, the case was officially reopened after the Sheriff's Department says they received new evidence from a federal investigation. However, Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk stated that he is not claiming there was something wrong with the original investigation or that the accidental death conclusions of the original investigation were wrong. The sheriff has also stated that he does not consider the case to be a homicide and further stated that the two brothers named in previous legal actions by the Johnsons are not suspects. The Johnson family recently turned over a 21-second audio recording of someone who they claim is confessing to the crime. In the recording, someone is heard saying, quote, They're gonna catch me anyways. I should have never done this. I was young and stupid. Kendrick didn't deserve this man. They're gonna catch me anyways. End quote. The recording is supposedly made by a family member of the person heard in the clip, and then they sold the recording to the Johnsons for $1,000. Authorities say they are trying to authenticate the recording and are working with the GBI. Have authorities found more details that may prove the murder of Kendrick Johnson? Or has the pressure from the Johnson family kept this case in a perpetual state of investigation? Is the recording real, or is someone scamming money from the Johnsons? Tell me what you think in the comments. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Be safe. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can help us out by leaving us a review or rating on whatever podcast app you listen through. You can also subscribe to the show to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Also, remember that if you'd like to support the show, the easiest way is to donate a few bucks at Buy Me a Coffee or check out some of our merchandise at Teespring. You can find information on how to do that along with links to our social media at thisismonsters.com. Thanks again. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Life's full of things we can't depend on Like the Irish weather Predictably unpredictable When you're cutting it fine But the tractor in front is out for the day No winner of this week's You know what So much for lucky seven But some things you can depend on Like in home heating Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil Are now Certa 
delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see certaireland.ie. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22 or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. It's flu season and children are twice as likely as adults to catch the flu which can sometimes cause serious illness. That's why all children aged 2 to 17 can get their free nasal spray flu vaccine, a safe and effective way to protect them and the rest of your family too. So make an appointment with your GP or pharmacist. Visit hsc.ie forward slash flu for more information from the HSC. 